Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom on WMNF, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is former City of Tampa spokesman John Dunn. If you want to join our conversation today, you can call us at 813-239-9663 and John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Today's Wavemaker is Tampa City Council Chairman Joseph Citro. Joseph Citro was born in Washington, D.C., but has lived in Tampa since 1974, where he graduated from Lato High School. Go Falcons! In 1980, <laughs> long before entering the world of politics, Joe co-hosted a punk rock show on WMNF from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. on Sundays. A hairdresser by trade, one of his longtime clients was Mary Alvarez, who served on the Tampa City Council from 1999 to 2007. Joseph has been a fixture of the Tampa civic scene since 2001 when he was appointed to the Civil Service Board, the City Civil Service Board. Since then, he served on the Variance Review Board as a Code Enforcement Board Magistrate and on the City's Charter Review Commission. He's been an active member and served in leadership on the Ebor City Development Corporation, the West Tampa Chamber of Commerce, the Ebor City Rotary Club, and the Tampa Tiger Bay Club. In 2019, after three failed runs, he was elected to a citywide seat on the Tampa City Council, where he serves as the chair of the Council's Public Safety Commission and the CRA Board. He also chairs the Countywide Transportation Planning Organization's Livable Roadways Committee and serves on several committees related to sustainability. He was elected chairman of the council earlier this year. He's been a champion of affordable housing, transportation, and the environment. Welcome to the show. Thank you both for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be back in studio, even though it's been over 20 years. I'm happy to be here. I think it's more like 42. Time flies. uh, It's a much much nicer building than the one that you were spinning discs on. (laughs) Uh, Joseph is also running for re-election in the March city elections. So far, he has three opponents, Sonia Brookins, Alan Clendenin, and Chase Harrison. We'll be inviting all of them to join us on on Wavemakers in the coming weeks. Um, Later on in the hour, we'll be talking about the uh, city council elections, including former Senator Janet Cruz's challenge to Lynn Hurtak, the only woman on the council. We'll also be talking about the recent resignation of the Tampa police chief who stepped down after flashing her badge to get her husband out of a traffic citation. But first, we're going to talk about Joseph's journey from skateboarder to hairdresser to city council chairman. So here we go, Joe. One of the first things that I want to chat about is your time as a DJ on WMNF, and I asked you... um, to give me the name, uh, provide for me a couple songs that you might have played on your show. Um, and I'm going to play a clip of this one right here. Um, this is the Jim Carroll band, People Who Died. Just as a clue, he was 12 years old. He fell from the roof on East 2-9. Kathy was 11 when she pulled the plug. 26 reds and a bottle of wine. Bobby That's right. This is a song that your city council chairman might have played on the show that he was hosting on WMNF back in 1980. You should play that at city council meetings, I think. No, 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 no. It was a different time back then. Uh, You know, of course, this song was about a man who all the people around him that were dying and and his, his sadness because of it. 
uh, but it still hit home with me because I had some friends at that time were dying off and, uh, various uh, the reasons, whether it be drug overdoses or whatnot. So this song is very dear to me. And you were had a show uh, from three to six a.m. At, at the radio station, and was it which? There's the stations I think been in three locations so far. So which location were you at? This was Nebraska Avenue, and uh, with, I was with, on with Mark Bingham. It was actually his show, but. You know, I'd fill in when he wasn't there or, you know, whenever he'd say, hey, look, I'm too tired. Come in and do the show for me. What was the name of the show? Goodness. We're going back, what, 40 years now? Yeah, we are. I think it was just the Mark Bingham uh, Sunday musical something or other. And were you, like... Of going to the and involved in the club scene in the in Tampa. Then were you going to what? What were the clubs there that people were going oh, to? The, the Act Four or whatever. Before Act Four, uh, Miss Lucky Club, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a really great punk bar, and of course the punk bar of all punk bars, the Buffalo Roadhouse. The oh, Buffalo, the Buffalo Roadhouse. Roadhouse. That's right. That is that's a that's a legendary, very legendary. It was it was a great scene because there was very few people listening to punk music. You had great bands like the Wankers. You had Triple X Dolls. Uh, you Triple X Girls. Excuse me. You had Zenith Nader. No personality. It just it. Excuse me. A new personality. Yeah. Oh, those are the local bands. Yes. Yeah. Zenith Nader and a new personality. Yep. But there were some great bands that came in at Miss Lucky Club. Uh, my friend Avery Guyton invited REM over to her house. Uh, wow. Uh, let's see who else. 10,000 Maniacs were, were there. So there were some great bands. Wow. You uh, 2 performed at a place called the End Zone on the corner of Del Mabry and uh, Boy Scout Road. Uh, there was only 50 people there. I heard about that show. I heard that some woman show. like attacked Bono on the stage or uh, something like that. Uh, I don't remember that, but then again, there might have been too much alcohol. It, it if you happened. were there, uh, it wasn't you me. won't remember it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. And so were you also at that time, was that your skateboarding phase when you were actually a, a skateboarder? I, I had stopped skateboarding and, 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 and doing pipe and grinding. Um, I had a terrible accident where I did a uh, scorpion and I, my feet almost hit the back of my head and I thought I broke my back. So I kind of I gave that up at that time. But no, I, I've been a thrasher for a long time. So the, the revenge of the thrashers was you're on the Tampa City Council and you were able to help legalize skateboarding Skate- throughout the city. <laughs> skateboarding should not be illegal. That's insane. It's micromobility, just to bring together a passion of yours, transportation and skateboarding. But it literally was illegal in downtown Tampa and parts of Ybor City, right? You you Uh, could not go skateboarding. It could be a arrestable offense. An arrestable offense, right. And and the point that was made, well, there there are some skateboarders that do property damage. Yeah, well, there's some drivers that do property damage, too, but you don't stop them and make uh, driving illegal. If, if, if some damage I have my done, days where I wish we could. Then, then just arrest them for that. <laughs> and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom on WMNF, and our guest is Joseph Citro, the Tampa City Council chairman, and we're talking about his early days as a WMNF DJ and, and skater punk in uh, <laughs> Tampa. Um, so you decided not to be a professional. I was going to ask you when the last time you skateboarded was, but now we know the answer to that. Um, you decided not to be a professional skateboarder, not go the uh, Tony Hawk route, and instead became a hairdresser. So tell us about that. How did you, um, where'd you go to school, and what, what prompted you to pursue that as a profession? I don't know you all enough to tell you the reason why I got into it, but I went to Tampa Barber College, and uh, 
Mr. Yavino owned that, but his son Joey Yavino, God rest his soul, great man, and actually got me into uh, to, to punk music. Uh, then from there, I went uh, to Tampa Bay Center, which is long closed, and that was my first job back in 1979 as a hairstylist. And we talked in the introduction about Mary Alvarez. I covered city council when Mary was on the um, uh, city council, and uh, she's I thought, I thought she was awesome, but you did her hair twice a week, and um, I, I assume that she helped get you involved on the Code Enforcement Board when you were appointed in Civil Service Board in 2001. Did she help you get your start politically? And I, 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 I've been sober for uh, 26 years now, and I bought my first house back in 2000. I was sitting on the back uh, porch reading all this list of things that the city was making me do. As a homeowner, and I just I, I got infuriated. My friend says, "Well, you need to become mayor," um, and I said, "Sure, let's do this." And went to my friend Mary Alvarez, who was on city council at the time. I said, "How do I get involved?" Okay, so in wait, politics? just want to say Joseph has just revealed his long term plans. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, go ahead. I, I've, I've got other things I need to do. I'm more legislative. Okay, I'm more legislative. Uh, and she said, "Well, first things you have to do is get on some boards, committees, commissions, hone your skill, get to know how the city operates." And then make your advancement into politics. And I thank Mary Alvarez every day for getting me involved in politics. But it took me 16 years to get here. Mm-hmm. And each time, you said it took uh, three, four attempts to get here. And every time that I did not win a race, I went back and joined another board and kept learning more and more and more about the city and how it operates. Yeah, it is interesting because I feel like it is very, you you did all those things that you're supposed to do in order to um, become an elected official, which, which is get involved and serve on these boards and serve in the community and be engaged. And it was, you know, you yeah. realized your goal and it, that showed some commitment on your part. But I always uh, tell folks that, uh, you know, you shouldn't call somebody a perennial candidate because they run three times because I always remind them that Pat Frank ran three times before she was elected to the school board, and then she went on to have one of the most distinguished careers of anyone in Hillsborough County. So sometimes it takes a while. And I always ran for the same thing. I always knew I wanted to be on city council. I didn't run for school board and then city council. I didn't run for county commission and the judge. I didn't run for... I always stuck to my guns that I want to be a county uh, city councilman. One of the things I find interesting about you, though, is you were a punk rock DJ. You were a skateboarder. You were a hairdresser. And then you were a Republican, and you ran for city council as a registered Republican. Now it's a nonpartisan seat, but everybody can look it up, and they knew that you were a Republican. How did you become a Republican? Uh, my first uh, time I voted was for Jimmy Carter, and huh. something just just changed in in, in 1980. And it was Ronald Reagan. Well, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the country was not in a great shape, and uh, there were some things that uh, President Reagan had said that I liked, and I just at that time, decided to switch parties. And you stuck with that for quite a while, right? Quite a while, yes, sir. And why did you switch? Social issues. I didn't like the way the Republican Party was handling itself as far as uh, LGBTQ, uh, minorities, uh, lower income. And so I said, it, it's, it's time for me to go. It's time for me to go. Well, a lot of the things that you're passionate about, things like transportation and um, uh Alternative, alternatives to vehicles, sustainability, um, affordable housing are, you know, issues that are, are more in line, I think, with 
democratic policies or your positions on them. You know, you've definitely shown that. So I've got to tell you, I'm 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 not liberal. I'm not conservative. I'm a realist. And there are things that need to be done. And if we can help everybody in our society, then we've helped society in total. So we, we, we have to look at all, all peoples. We have to look at all, all ideas, all thoughts, because we're all independent, free-willed, free-thinking people. And I have to listen to everybody before I can make a decision for everyone. Yep. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers and WMNF. Our guest is Joseph, Joseph Citro. He is the chairman of the Tampa City Council. If you'd like to ask him a question or join our conversation, you can call 813-239-9663, or you can send, can send an email to dj at wmnf.org. Um, I want to go out of this segment of our interview with one more song that was um, might have been a staple of Joseph's um, punk rock show on WMNF. This is Start uh, by The Jam. I don't know. This is kind of fun. I do a talk show, but I kind of would like to do a music show. <laughs> it seems like, it's kind of fun to, to bop around the studio. Um, let's move. Let's talk about the, what you've been doing on the Tampa City Council. You've uh, served almost four years now, and probably one of the most controversial decisions that you all made was to approve Mary O'Connor as the police chief. You were against her before you were for her. So how much responsibility do you feel the way things turned out? Because she did resign under pressure from the mayor after flashing her badge to help her husband get out of a ticket in a golf cart. Let's bring this all together. I was never against Mary uh, O'Connor. I was pro-Butch Delgado. But I thought you had indicated you were not going to support her. I said that I wanted to see Butch Delgado. He was my man. I wanted him as chief of police. And why is that? He's a great guy. He, I've known him since he was uh, the police officer for uh, Ybor City. I don't know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Yeah, and I know him personally. He's a good man. And he was the interim police chief. That's correct. Uh, but he and I sat down, and we had a long discussion. Uh, and at that point, I knew that... Uh, that uh, Butch probably wasn't going to become chief. And he said, if you're going to vote against her, don't do it for me. So, uh, again, Butch and I have known each other a long time. Uh, then I went to uh, former Chief uh, O'Connor and I said, look, here are the things I want you to do. I want you to go to community meetings. I want you to get involved. I want you to. And I gave her a long list. Well, she came back and did that. And I saw how the community was starting to respond to her. And I, uh, I yes, I then voted for her. And how do you feel about that vote now? No any, different. any regrets? No, you, no, no. You do no, the same no. thing over again? I, I, I voted. I make a vote at the time that it's needed, and I have only that. I can't see into the future. I had no idea that Mary O'Connor was going to do this. So I have no regrets for making the choice I made at the time. Now, at the time, you also expressed some uh, criticism of the mayor because you were, you're chair of the Public Safety Committee, right? And, mm-hmm. and it sounded like, from what you said, you had very little input into her 
process of picking a new chief. Is that correct? No, no. Uh, Mayor, Mayor Castro and I have been friends for a long time, and and I, I'm not afraid to say that her and I had a very loud discussion at, in, in public, and we talked about it, and we argued back and forth, and we came to a consensus on, on Chief O'Connor. So as far as you're concerned, this is on her. That This is a decision that she has to live with, not you, because you decided to give her a chance. This this is a decision that the chief, former Chief O'Connor has to live with, yes. And the mayor. The mayor chose someone who, let's face it, she had been arrested for battery on a law enforcement officer early in her career as a police officer. And But the mayor said she believes in second chances. And, and how many people in this world have had a second chance? Sure. And how many people in this world have taken that second chance and didn't do and anything with it? it. And yeah. do you feel the same way about Orlando Goods? Do you, do you think he deserves a second chance? Because Everyone deserves a second cause, cause chance. Because you called on him to resign when mm-hmm. uh, a very critical report of his, of his behavior uh, regarding women, particularly his aide, came out. And you and Luis Vieira and the mayor all called on him to resign. Mm-hmm. No second chance for Orlando Goods? Orlando's had a second chance. And how's he doing? Uh, Orlando is doing very well, as is everybody else on council. Including Lynn Hertek. Now, you, play, you, you cast a pivotal vote. Some would say the deciding vote that got Lynn Hertek on the city council to um, replace John Dingfelder, who had resigned. Well, you actually... Uh- did you recruit her for that, or that I nominated Lynn? I've known Lynn since uh, our time on the Charter Review Commission, and after I got elected, I suggested to Lynn to get on the Variance Review Board. Yes, I nominated her for the seat on City Council. Right. So let's talk about what's going on now with that seat. We have um, former Senator Janet Cruz, who is challenging um, our City Council Member Lynn Hertak for um, a city council seat. Lynn Hertek was not elected to that position. She was appointed to that position um, after a previous city council member, John Dingfelder, resigned. Um, so Lynn was nominated by you, um, Joseph, a chairman, and, um, and she was uh, voted elected by the city council to serve in that role. So um, Janet is now, uh, Senator Cruz is now running against Lynn for that seat. And, um, and she is the mayor's... She, she's also, yes, the mother... mother of um, mother-in-law, but the mayor of uh, the mother of the mayor's partner, Anna Cruz. So I think that there are there are some people who are raising questions about whether how, how is that that um, the, a relative of the mayor can serve on a board that is supposed to serve as a check on the board. And I think also just in, in general, some people are, are questioning why run against the only woman on the board. That's the other thing. Because the, the city council was seven ma- men before Lynn was appointed to the board. So I'm, I'm putting all that out there for those of you out there who are not familiar with this sort of a little insidery um, uh, situation that's going on um, with the city council. So the question for you, though, Joe is Joseph, is... Um, are you going to be supporting somebody in that race? Lynn was somebody who you nominated, um, and Senator Cruz is a longtime um, advocate for the Tampa Bay community, two very um, strong women. What's your, what's your take on that? Janet, I have my own campaign to run. I think that it is unwise for any council person to support another council person. Uh, it would almost fringe upon sunshine. It might also fringe upon nepotism. Uh, we are need to keep our our uh, 
uh, campaign separate. Uh, I don't want to seem like I'm supporting anybody. I know that Lynn has done a great job uh, while she's been on council. She's done some great things. I also know that Senator Cruz has brought more money to this district than any other state senator in the in uh, Florida. She still has connections up in Tallahassee, which is going to help the city bring in money and sway decisions up in Tallahassee. Remember, the toughest thing that the city of Tampa has to deal with right now is preemption from Tallahassee. So, uh, again... I, I'm not supporting anybody in any city council races in any way, shape, or form. I've got my own campaign to run. Well, her, her, the, Senator Cruz's spokesperson said that it, 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 it is offensive to suggest that she has some sort of conflict of interest because the mayor, uh, she'll be the mayor's mother-in-law if she's elected the city council. Um, do, you, do you find that offensive? I mean, it seems like a reasonable question to me. But, uh, and would it, would it be awkward for you if the mayor, if you were related to the mayor? Uh, again, I'm not going to support any candidate in our elections. If if Janet wants to run, she's the same as anybody else in this city who is is legally able to run for city council. Um, we've got a question I want to get to. We've got um, first. I want to make uh, correct myself. I have been corrected. I said this was the third iteration of um, uh, WMNF, but this is actually the fourth iteration of the WMNF studios. Um, and then we've got a question from um, David Bryant, who says it's so cool that Mr. Citro used to have a show on WMNF. I'm wondering what is Mr. Citro's take on the condition of the roads in Tampa? I'm amazed by how bumpy and potholy roads like Howard Avenue are in Tampa. It's great for tire companies but not great for tampa drivers why are our roads so bad and then he asks uh, why is the storm Rider project on central avenue south of hillsborough avenue taking so long it's kind of crazy so two-part questions let's talk about i know um joseph uh transportation is a passion of yours so here's your opening right here from david bryant who's a, a loyal listener of wmnf um why are our roads so bad David, I, 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 I thank you for that question. Uh, I hope that our listeners realize that only 19% of the roads in the city of Tampa are city roads. Huh. Only 19%. And with the all for transportation just being beat down, uh, our funding comes to repair our roads from the gas tax. The price of gas does not make us have more money coming in. Actually, it's only a set tax on that. Uh, so our to redo our roads is a 75-year project. We just don't have the money. Howard Avenue, wait for it, is a county road. We are mm-hmm. custodians of that county road. But without the funding to repave that road from the county, we just don't have the funding to do it. I would suggest you call up one of your county commissioners and say, hey, we need Howard Avenue repaved. Is there a way that you... I don't know if the city council actually has the power to change the budget. Uh, you approve the budget, but if the mayor doesn't want to spend the money that you appropriate, she doesn't have to spend it, I think. So how can you, uh, you know, shift some priorities? I mean, half, more than half the property taxes that go into the city go to support the police department. And yes, and, and we need, my ask for the budget was for more staffing. Police, fire. We just don't have that staffing. We also need staffing for permitting inspection. We also need staffing for solid waste. We also need staffing for stormwater. Our our staffing to citizens to resident ratio is way off. 
we need to bring that more in parallel with the rest of the country. So that's where we need it. Uh, sure, we can put on all this money to repay these county and state roads. But if the county and state doesn't pay us back like they should, we've lost money. Mm-hmm. Um. You said you have some strong ideas about transportation. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like well, what? Do you, what do you, you you mentioned that the tax failed. What do we do? What do we do now? There's nothing we can do, and I hate to say this, but because the city of Tampa cannot raise funds for transportation, that's Hillsborough County. We cannot do that legally. We cannot do that. However, I'm just I'm just waiting for the the blessings of of mobility transportation CRAs. We need to extend the streetcar all the way up to Palm Avenue. That's the first step. But how can you do that without the, the sales tax that was rejected? Well, all we have to do is come up with a 25% uh, uh, funding, yeah. matching funds. Because you got the state, you got the federal money. Yeah. We've got that. We've already got the plan. Yep. So we don't have to pay any more. I'm figuring if we can use, we've got four CRAs for the streetcar. We've got um, Ybor City, one and two. We've got Channel Side. We've got Downtown. We've got Tampa Heights. We'd only have to come up with around 16 to $18 million. Uh, Secretary Beauty Judge is giving away transportation money like it's Halloween candy. There's <laughs> $175 million up in Tallahassee just sitting there doing nothing. If I can just get the blessing from a few people, let's extend that up there. Uh, Karen, so you, you want to just cobble money together basically from the CRAs that would be affected by it? Because for yes. um, those of you who don't know, the CRA is, is called as a community yeah, redevelopment right. area, mm-hmm. and it's where property taxes, increases in property taxes are funneled back into the area they were collected to make improvements. And they're supposed instead to be going, going to blighted areas. Yeah. So instead of going into a general fund, they are go back into the area. That is correct. And yeah. an amazing woman who works for the Downtown Partnership, who we both know, Karen Kress, mm-hmm. uh, formulated a uh, um, minimum parking up to Palm Avenue. So three or four blocks either side, east or west of, of uh, Tampa or, or Nebraska, parking minimums were brought down to make it so that if people live in that area and work downtown, they could take the streetcar. Well, all for transportation fell through, so the plans to extend the streetcar is no longer there. Let's extend it up there. Show that the CRA funds can be used in an economic way, an economic way to help the community. And then later on, let's extend that streetcar from not Ebor all the way out to 50th Street using East Tampa CRA monies. There's only a eight-block section there that is not in a CRA. Hmm. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to uh, Joseph Citro, who is the chair of the Tampa City Council. If you want to join our conversation, if you've got a question for him, if you have a comment, please call us at 813-239-239. 9663 or email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. He is looking to get input from you all on the state of the city because he gets input from people all over the city before he makes a decision. One of the questions I know we want to talk about today and that you all have been wrestling with is affordable housing, which is a crisis. We have had several shows on affordable housing housing or the housing crisis. Um, Any new ideas on how to fix this? This is something that is all over the country. I would like to say I have that golden bullet special sauce. The city of Tampa could spend its whole $2 billion budget on affordable housing, and it still wouldn't solve the problem here in the city of Tampa and Hillsborough County or in the Bay Area for that matter. But in the city of Tampa, again, we could spend our whole budget. 
there's going to be there has to be help from Hillsborough County, the state of Florida, and the federal government if all three do not get along. And, and the Tampa Housing Authority also needs to come in line also. Well, the reason I brought that up, because we were just talking about the Community Redevelopment Agency, and I know there's some talk on city council about trying to use some of that money to encourage affordable housing. What's going on with that? Uh, uh, Nicole Travis, who is our interim right now uh, for our CRA board, has found $20 million that is now accessible also for affordable housing. I take I take pleasure, and it's not who comes up with the idea as long as it gets done, who doesn't who get the credit. But when I was chair of CRA, we bought the old Army-Navy on Tampa Street, uh-huh. and that is spent is to be spent on affordable workforce accessible housing for uh, the industry workers that work downtown. We also spent $5 million on infrastructure, excuse me, save $5 million uh, set aside for infrastructure in that area. So, yes, we are working harder and harder. Remember, Rome Yard is coming up. It's being built right now with, with uh, I think it's 25% affordable AMI housing. We've also got West River. So it is coming. We just have a housing shortage right now. We're way behind. We are. Um, we, uh, the phones are ringing off the hooks. Oh, and we just lost someone who wanted to w- weigh in on. Um, she was asking, uh, I'm going to pose this question for Chris from Tampa. Actually, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but Chris from Tampa was asking, back to the transportation conversation, would you support a, a, a VMT tax on electric vehicles? You were talking about how to fund transportation. I don't think the city would be able to do one on its own. Anyway, now, Joe, Joseph has an electric vehicle, but that's another way to raise funds for transportation. What's your thought about that, about a um, vehicle miles traveled tax for electric vehicles to make up lost gas taxes as we go to electric. Me personally, I would gladly pay in each time I renew my license plate to pay in some sort of funds that would offset the monies that I'm not spending on the gas tax, which the gas tax is meant to go repair our roads, fix our roads, and and, and put in more roads. Yes, I would be more than happy. And yes, I would pose the question to every electric vehicle owner. But that was probably something that would have to be solved by the legislature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, we've got another phone call. I'm going to take this. This is Kent in Tampa. Kent in Tampa, you are on the air. What's on your mind? Hi. Uh, very interesting about the 19% Tampa owns on the roads. That surprised me. Um, but the issue I'd like to bring to your all's attention, I'm a driver on the city's roads constantly. And the biggest issue I see is the lines on the roads that are not or need to be repainted. It's a real safety hazard. Um, you can't even determine where the shoulders are anymore in a lot of areas. So, and I know it crosses over into Hillsborough County territories too, but that's a big problem. Thanks, Kent. What do you think about that, Joe? Paint that needs refreshing on the roads. And I, I agree totally. Uh, first of all, I have to. Uh Tell my lovely girlfriend, Paula Flores, I love you, honey. Uh, she is a traffic engineer, and we talk about this every day. Again, it depends. Scintillating on- conversations, you're at. The pillow talk must be just amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about some infrastructure tonight. Well, you know what? I, I kind of understand that. Yeah, we, do. we do the same thing. It is, it, it's entertaining conversation, but, you know, she, she has brought my mind around. She has made me see through a different lens because of her transportation background. But back to Kent's question, again, that falls on who actually owns the roads, but I do agree with you wholeheartedly. If you can't see which lane you're in because there are no lines there. 
more importantly is the bike lane signage. The bike lane painting on the road needs to be defined more and actually needs to be widened by about two more feet. Um, we've got another call. Um, uh, DeAndre from Brandon. I'm going to go to you in just a second, DeAndre. But if you want to pose a question here to Tampa City Council Chairman Joseph Citro, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send an email to DJ at WMNF.org. And I want to say that's really one of the cool things about WMNF is that we give you an opportunity to speak directly to your elected officials, whether it's Joseph Citro from the Tampa City Council. Um, right now, we've had Kathy Castor on, U.S. Representative Kathy Castor on the show. We had a few weeks ago. We had City Council Member Bill Carlson on. And just um, before us, John Canaan had on um, School Board Member Jessica Vaughn. So, um, this is one of the great things about WMNF, I think, that we bring these elected folks directly to you so you can pose a question, just like DeAndre from Brandon is going to do right now. DeAndre, you are on the line. What's on your mind? Yes, good morning. I'm just, I've always been terribly curious about this, and I've tried to ask as many uh, persons you know, in the know, but uh, what, what is uh, the, the gentleman's position on... Uh, or wherewithal on matters of like uh, not just the left electrification of uh, uh, machines and vehicles for 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 Tampa, and uh, but as well um, maybe existing vehicles hybridizing them, and then as well synthetic fuels like uh, methanol, which is a wood or uh, biomass uh, gas that can be done with lawn clippings and things like that. I hear you, you, know, you all, all you have to do is uh, tweak a computer on an automobile to be able to use some of that stuff. And it's much cleaner than gasoline. Uh, I know they do it with race cars a bunch um, to save money. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm curious, like, I, what, what, on the grand scheme of things, what's going on and, and what can you tell me about the tech? I, that's really where the rubber meets the road for me. Great question. Thank you very much for that. Hooray. Thank you. Uh, yes, I, I have talked with uh, Whit Reamer, who is our, uh, our, our, excuse me, our sustainability. There you go. Officer? Thank you. Yep. That's the Officer. word. Sustainability officer. And, and it is the, with the hopes of, of city of Tampa to switch over all our non emergency vehicles to either electric or or some, um, other alternative hybrid or something. Fuels, yeah. Uh, biodiesel. Biodiesel. You know, okay. and and that's the direction I would like the city of Tampa to go. There is so much alternative out there besides fossil fuels. And even when you say diesel, well, you know, that's plant-based. It's not going to pollute the air. That's what we're looking for is, is ways to keep our air clean in the city of Tampa. Um, I want to get back to more of the sustainability issues, too. Um, but first, let's take this call from Jerry in St. Petersburg, who um, has some thoughts on affordable housing. Jerry, you are on the line. Tell us about tell us your ideas for affordable housing. Okay, well, thank you. Well, um, first of all, um, I appreciate the opportunity to talk on this show. And the gentleman talked about um, the budget um, that you could spend this much money which I completely understand. I know it's because it's a massive problem. So, but why don't we just take a sample? Why not just but like the elephant? How do you eat an elephant? You know, you one bite at a time, right? So you just take a small project as an experimental project, and then you do it, and you and you determine your your per- persons that you're going to house, 
and you figure it out, and then you do that. So what I have to offer is I have a 500-square-foot unit designed by extraordinarily talented people. Um, I brought it back from Hawaii. Um, that's a 500-square-foot conventionally built unit. So it's like a free, like a tiny home or something. Tiny, yeah, it's like a tiny home, but it's also it's also expandable. So it's not quote modular; it's expandable per conventional permitted needs. But that get, this gets very very complicated. So I'm not denying that it's very complicated with the permitting thing. But let me just throw an idea out there. I go to a storage unit. I go to a storage facility facility U-Haul that treats me exceptionally well. Why not convert a facility like that? or something similar to that on a minimal scale that would at least get people off the street and into some kind of manageable area. Again, you, you, you microcosm it. You build it small first. You do it on an experimental basis. If it doesn't work, you don't do it again. But if it works, then you do it again, or you do it on a different scale. What do you so think, Mr. Chairman? Because it seems like we're building more storage units than apartments sometimes. They're exactly. popping up all over the city. Exactly, exactly, and exactly. And where there's not a storage unit, there's a car wash. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, furniture. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, it's not people. I mean, people need housing out there, including myself. I mean, I need housing out in myself. So, I mean, I mean, how do you do it? I mean, just start small. Okay, thanks, Jerry. You're thinking outside the box, wait, wait, wait. so to speak. The other, well, no, well, the thing is called mod box, but... but <laughs> Now, what about the universities? What about the university planning departments? We have two major universities here in this state, colleges of architecture, one of which I went to, University of Florida, which I really, really had a great time in, and I did get a degree, planning departments. What do those people have to say about this? I mean, you don't have those people on board to, to do some experimental thing like our Greenway system, which was basically driven by these guys? Then get them on board and, and say, hey, what do we do? First what do you think, um, Chairman? What, what response do you have to some of Jerry's okay, I'm gonna, ideas? I'm going to take it offline, okay? Okay, okay thank you, thanks Jerry. For thanks for the no, call. You. Jerry, brilliant ideas. Brilliant ideas. Uh, I get back to uh, my, my, girl, my lovely girlfriend, Paula Flores. We were discussing just that the other day. She knows how much I love golf, and she kind of gave me a little poke and said, you know, all that land for golf, that could be housing. And I said, wait a second. It's you also really bad for the environment, the way they treat those golf courses but anyway. now where else would the animals live okay. uh but <laughs> my 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 ideas on storage yes that, that you know why do we, why do we have people that collect stuff so much stuff that they can't put in their house that they have to keep it in a storage unit that's prime every time that a development goes in and they say we need this many parking spaces and we have a parking garage i said is it going to be built so that in the future when we have flying cars, we don't have automobiles. Can those be repurposed into housing units? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, we have to think outside the box. I know the modular types or the homes that he's talking about. I've seen them. They come and you can put them together almost like pieces of a puzzle, make them bigger. Then we have to change our codes. How many of these smaller homes or how many of these homes can be put on one acre of land? Uh Jerry, it was great topics, and these things need to be discussed, and, and I have been looking at them. Uh, I would like to be able to change uh, some of our codes so that we can put tiny houses, smaller houses, affordable, accessible houses. But then we have to deal with the people in the surrounding neighborhood that say, I don't want that. In my, you know, I want YIMBY. I don't it's, want It's YIMBY. always the push-pull, right? Right. If you're just joining us, uh, we are speaking with Tampa City Council Chairman Joseph Citro about all things city issues, um, and he's running for re-election. So if you have questions about him, uh, please give us a call at 
239-9663 or email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. Let's skip to a couple of, um, I've got a couple emails here. We have um, uh, someone from Lutz who says, why don't we bring back t- trailer parks instead of building more condos? Um, this is William who says that. I guess seeing that as an affordable housing option, I don't know. I think trailer trailer parks don't hold up well in hurricanes. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not sure that. But, the, but it is affordable housing. To it is point. affordable yeah. housing. Yeah, yeah but you, with, with that, you only have one level of housing. Only one level, yes. Yeah. So you don't yeah. get the density. That's right. You don't right. get the density. Um, now we, and we also have an email from Flora. Who back to um, our conversation on transportation? She says she's a local RV owner for three years in nearby Pasco County. I entered Tampa downtown for the first time recently and found parking near the aquarium and utilize, utilizing the streetcar from end to end made me feel I could manage it. It made it an easy, no stress city. So, um, a, a no stress city experience. And I think that's what you're saying, Chairman. You would like to see. Um, a concerted effort to extend that streetcar um, for that very purpose, right? I, I hear so many complaints of people saying that there is no parking in downtown Tampa. There is parking everywhere in downtown Tampa, but we as human beings want to park two blocks away from where we're going. Right. As a, as a smart friend of ours says, we don't have a parking problem. We have a walking problem. Yes. So if we could get back in Karen Crest, thank you for always pointing this out to me, if we would have the downtowner or circulator, not a point A to point B, but a circulator, people can park further away, jump on the circulator, and get to the place where they need to be. So we have plenty of parking. But as this woman was saying, yes, we, we have accessibility through our streetcar and through our various parking lots. But we need more surface Excuse me, on street parking. I want to also read an email from Karen yes. and Dunedin, who's went back to our conversation about whether or not um, uh, the Tampa mayor's um, mother-in-law should serve on the city council. She says, "I think this is a conflict of interest." Is your guest okay with Trump having all his? Fi- was your guest okay with Trump having all of his family in his administration? How is this democracy? And I'd say this is actually even different. That's the administration versus being um, serving on a board that is intended to be a check on a branch of government. And I think, Joseph, would you like to weigh in on that? Let's just say there wasn't much I liked about Trump, but I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I did not say that. Uh, but, but, but one of the most contentious issues that you guys do serve a check on is the um, question of what to do with 50 million gallons a day of highly treated wastewater that goes into the bay. Um, this has been something the city's been trying to deal with for the last 30 years, and they have not come up with a, a system that seems to resonate with the public. It was once called toilet to tap. That sounds icky. So they changed it to pure, which does sound very nice. But what is going on with that uh, project, uh, Mr. Chairman? It's dead. Pure is dead? Pure is dead. It's going to be brought, there is going to be a report brought back to us next year. But city council next vote. month. I, I, I understand. January. January. I know it's next, next year, year, but, but you know, yeah, 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 but yeah, sooner yeah. than you might think. And and I, I just got to say this: that 
that Senate Bill 64 did not help us out. Uh, again, I cannot. And that was, that was the bill that requires um, jurisdictions to get rid of their treated, to help come up with a plan for safely disposing of their treated wastewater. Is that, am I putting that right? I think that's that generally is, what that it is. That is correct. And okay. we, we had an ecologically friendly way of doing it. We were reintroduced, after cleaning it to almost drinkable water, reintroducing it back into the bay. And this bay is cleaner than I've seen it in the last 40 years. Uh, but it could be cleaner, obviously, if it, you're not putting in 50 million gallons a day of It could be waste cleaner. Take, take out the heavy metals, take out the pharmaceuticals, take out the nitrates. But if you're going to go that far, why not just use it for drinking water? And so, tell us, do you support that plan? I, I would support it. Is the state going to look at it that way? Uh, but the environmental issue comes back to that's what the state is mandating. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as I'm concerned, the day they're reintroducing it back into the bay was the environmental uh, issue that the state was looking for. But they've turned their head to that. To, oh, I see what you're saying. You feel like that is legitimate. We shouldn't have to get away from that. Yep. Yes, yes, ma'am. Been doing but it for the, a long time, but the state doesn't doesn't even want to discuss it. Yeah, well, let's this that seems like a good segue to talk about. You mentioned preemption earlier. You mentioned earlier the state um, telling cities and counties what to do, what they can and cannot do. You caught the attention of our state lawmakers. I think it was in twenty twenty one, I believe, when you. Tell us what you introduced a resolution that would have had Tampa go to all electric. Tell, tell us what they what no, you what your my preemption was a clean energy clean uh, energy yeah and it was well. Tell us what your resolution was. What did you? What my you my resolution was no more fossil fuel in- infrastructure. I wasn't telling Wawa you can't come into town. I wasn't saying that. But all the major fossil fuel pipelines and things like that. Uh, the port not putting in uh, another uh, oil silo yeah. that has been, they haven't had a new one for 25 years. That's all I was saying. We weren't telling people you had to do away with your fossil fuel cars. Just no more inf- infrastructure. And, and, I, and, well, and, and of course, because event, why make these huge investments in fossil fuel infrastructure when everybody's getting away from those fossil fuel cars anyway. I mean, the, the car companies themselves are building more electric vehicles uh, in other parts of the world. There are car companies that are, they're not even going to make them anymore. Well, you know? when, when I hear people saying, oh, I'll never get away from my fossil, why should I do that? Well, I look at them and say, you know, the the, the car manufacturers that helped build this country and fought in World War II and making tanks, GM and Ford. Well, they're all going to be electric cars by right. 2035. Again, it, was, it wasn't to stop fossil fuel cars from running it was just the infrastructure and by the time i even announced that resolution there were 11 preemption bills in tallahassee fighting it so yeah they our lawmakers in tallahassee filed bills basically to stop cities from passing this kind of they, they killed your bill basically just from as tallahassee. they did with the tree ordinance right <laughs> tree ordinance uh, the apprenticeship ordinance but i had i had other elected officials from around the state saying joe they're going to make this record uh, retroactive if you persist in doing this they're going to kill the great things that we've accomplished so far so i had to step back with all for 100 and rewrite it so that it was a little bit more palatable Tallahassee. No, our tree ordinance, our apprenticeship ordinance, so many other things that the city of Tampa, our, our, our 5G networking, which we should be making a heck of a lot of money off of, our, 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 our short-term rentals, which people are complaining about Airbnb uh, being next to them at party houses. Tallahassee is dictating to the 
to the city of Tampa what we can and cannot do, almost to the point of Tallahassee doesn't think we cannot govern ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that upsets me more than anything else. Well, I think they're concerned that you can govern yourself, and they don't like that. (laughs) Six one half dozen the other. (laughs) Um, We've got um, Marinella who wants to know if the Tico streetcars are expanded, um, and there's a circulator in St. Pete. Um, Would those be dog-friendly? What do you think, Joseph? Would you like the streetcar to be dog-friendly? I don't know if it is now or not. You know, it's not the dogs that I have a problem with. I love the puppies. (laughs) It's the owners that don't take care of the puppies. That's funny. Um, We've got a couple calls, folks on the line. So let's take um, Karen. Um, Karen and St. Pete, you're on the line. What's on your mind? Um, You know, I was wondering whatever happened to the desalinization plant, you know, for the future, if if that's a good idea. And I did hear somebody's idea about taking the water and spreading it out over somewhere so it has a way to uh, resink and get cleaned going back in the ground. Supposedly the water going back into the bay would uh, make a lot of the fish turn to female. So uh, that's just just something so I've heard and was questioned about. You're talking about using that water like for 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 um, irrigation so that it gets further filtered Correct. by the ground. What What's your take on that, um, Chairman? Well, you Thanks, know, Karen, for the call. We do have a fish here in, in Florida. It's a game fish called a snook that through most of its life, it's an adult, and when it, once it reaches a certain age, it turns female. So fish do change from male to female. Uh, I would like to take this water, send it back up river past our dam so it could be recirculated each time it comes back. Uh, but that would put it in the drinking water, wouldn't it? Yes, but it would be recleaned and refreshed, and 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 most of the toxins would be taken out the second The time. concerns I hear about this, and i I, I got to say, I think this is a classic example of, of environmental goals kind of conflicting because putting 50 million gallons of treated wastewater in the bay doesn't sound environmentally sound, but then I hear from environmentalists who say there's pharmaceuticals in the water or in the wastewater that are difficult or impossible to remove. What about that? Reverse osmosis. Okay. That will take out all the heavy metals. It will take out the, the, the carcinogens. It will take out the, the pharmaceuticals. So how about send it to the Tampa Bay, uh, T- Tampa Bay water? They have a reverse osmosis plant, as, uh, as our caller pointed out. Why not build our own? Well, because there's one that exists that's not even being used at full capacity. We would have to, we would have to build the pipeline to ship it over there. Which is on the other have side of the, Hillsborough Bay, for those of you who are not familiar with these details. Bay, but yeah. And then once they do it, we'll have to buy it back from them. And if, if nobody out there saw that, I gave Tom this look like, why would we do that? Yeah, we, we, well, <laughs> because it is a regional authority in which everyone shares the costs and... Uh, and, and, and gets the benefits, and that's the theory I would, behind I, I would hope that our, I would hope that your listening audience would go back and find out how that regional uh, water authority started and how they uh, took land away from Hillsborough County to get what they wanted. But we'll go. But it ended the water show. wars, and it stopped the environmental degradation of Pasco yes, but County. Hill, but Hillsborough County lost out on it. The city of Tampa lost out on that deal. Um, we've got just a few minutes left, so tell us a little bit about, let's look ahead. We've been talking about the past. Let's look ahead. You're running for re-election. What would be your top goals in your second term on um, Tampa City Council? If you are re-elected. If, yeah, I said would be. But <laughs> <laughs> just making that clear. There, there right now is a main push, and, I, and I'm, I am totally against it, for a regional MPO, Metropolitan Planning Organization, which is now... The Transportation Planning Organization, um, I'm, I'm seeing more and more and more of the surrounding areas. Let me digress. Tampa 
is the center, is the hub of all transportation within this region, whether it be land, sea, or air. Tampa is the uh, the the hub for transportation. Uh, a regional MPO. And an MPO is the agency that does the planning for transportation. For, transportation. for those of you who are not familiar with these acronyms. Go ahead. The city of Tampa would be left with nothing because everyone around is going to use a funnel, which is the city of Tampa, to get traffic and everything directed to them. In my opinion, and my concern is that these monies that would be spent would be for other areas, and the only thing that Tampa would get is more and more building of highways. So and what you, I don't want to see that. So you're saying that you 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 I want more able, time to be able to press against the idea of creating a regional regional I, I don't, um, I don't transportation wanna, planning I don't, organization. I don't want a regional transportation uh, transportation organization. Hillsborough County is so big that we need our own. Well, what is your proudest accomplishment in the fa- past four years? Uh, the the uh, mm. the clean energy resolution. Ah. Interesting. That that is what I am most happy with. Uh, I have other things like the uh, old Army Navy, which is going to go for affordable, attainable uh, workforce housing. Uh, the money spent for the infrastructure on that. Those 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 are things. Again, I am one of seven. It doesn't matter who gets the credit. City Council has done some amazing things for the city of Tampa. I was part of that. I'm happy with that. And uh, a related question: What's your biggest frustration? Not being able for the city of Tampa to have had more input in the MPO, TPO, and that for the off transportation that I supported did not pass. Mm. You know, you're talking about the makeup of the TPO, that it's heavy on, on county um, representatives and, and light. How many? I don't remember how many cities. There is, there is five county commissioners. There is three city council people. There was a, a motion put forth to put all seven county commissioners on. <laughs> um, it, it, well, they it, apparently it, own all the roads in Tampa, so. <laughs> but, well, it's the but, county and the state. <laughs> but com- compared, compared, the city of Tampa has more traffic problems, has more transportation pl- uh, problems. And I hate to say this, we are known for not being the safest place uh, to walk and bike and drive. And we have a lot of people from other counties who come here every day. Every using day. Pinellas, Pope, Pasco. Every day. Our population doubles every day in the city of Tampa because people from outside the city are coming in East County, Pasco, Polk, Pinellas, Manatee, Sarasota, Hernando County are coming here to work. Yeah. Yep. Um, we're, we're out of time. So I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, Chairman, we really appreciate it. It's Lots been a great conversation. About. Lots to talk about. Thanks to all of you who called. Apologies to those whose calls we didn't get to. Um, and uh, thanks to John for answering the phone. Stay tuned for um, Harrison Nash up next after NPR News. And let's go out with another song that um, Joseph might have played on his show back in the day. This is New Toy by Lena Don't forget, Lovett. he was a punk rocker. If I can make this go, let's see. Here we go. Here it is. Love you, Paula. This is WMF Tampa.